Hello outrageous uh, this is a podcast for outcast outrageously me i am all of uh, three your host and today i have a special guest for you with me i have tim west he is a lifelong learner a technologist a people leader and in his own words he believes act and becomes and he is somebody who has inspired me to be outrageously myself and i'm so glad to be welcoming him on the show today hi tim how are you doing today Hello Shree, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, in fact, this podcast is uh, output of what you inspired and instilled within me. I'm so beyond thankful for what you have done in terms of our conversation. Every time I come to you, you have given me more value than I have given you. And this is my way of repaying that kindness. Um you asked me to lean more into myself and that's what created this succession of events that led to this podcast as well. For me I want to start at the very beginning like uh, how do you like to be known as I know we talked about you being a technologist I know you talked about higher purpose personality development people leader but what is that tim west means to you how do you see yourself I uh, you know it's it's interesting that's changed over the years right um I I'm in uh, I just turned 50 so now I'm in the back nine if you will of my life and <laughs> You know, I I I like to be seen as someone that helps others achieve. You know, for me now, um, you know, that's where most of my meaning comes from. So, you know, I don't know what title you put on it, but certainly that's what gives me, you know, purpose and meaning right now. Wow, uh, fantastic. Take us back to the root of all roots. Where does it begin? Where does it begin the journey for Tim? Like how does it you said it's changed over the years and sure. walk us through a little bit of what that journey looks like. Yeah, it's interesting cuz um, you know, I'm the son of a preacher man, right? So my dad wow. was a Baptist minister. Um, but early on in my life when I was about 7, uh he left the church and let my mom pursue her career. And so my mom was one of the people that broke the glass ceiling in the 80s. Wow. Uh and was an executive at Eastern Airlines. And so I grew up in a very uh corporate environment at home. uh both my parents traveled all the time so i was by myself quite a bit i do have two brothers but they're 7 and 11 years older than me mm. so for a good part of my life i was kind of like an only child right uh so uh i caught my parents on the back end uh so they had money and i never was wanting uh so i don't have some suffering you know origin story i tended to have everything i wanted from a materialistic standpoint uh but probably from a uh emotional support standpoint i was kind of left to create that environment myself wow uh, and i think that shaped a lot of who i am i'm very independent um i don't uh you know have a very large uh emphasis on uh extended family however uh my wife and i wanted to create a very tight uh immediate family right and so her and i uh you know committed to one another that you know family was going to be first and foremost and so as i came up through my career um i did go through a divorce uh you know when i had a 4 year old and so um you know that was very difficult but at the same time i you know got with the love of my life and you know we had six more kids and so you know that has really shaped who i am uh and so we can certainly talk more about that but uh 
know, very independent. Uh, I went to art school, you know, in the summer times when I was growing up. So I'm very creative. I like to draw, paint, photography, all of that. Uh, and I, I try to bring a lot of that into my, you know, adult life and, and into my career, just, you know, maintaining that curiosity. Wow. And for the viewers, um, if you do have any links of your website where you put your paintings or something, let me know. I can put it in the description. It's definitely interesting. I, I've never known this artistic side of you. I've always known this people leader side of you, but never known this artistic side. So yes. just reflecting back on the evangelist dad and then, you know, the, the values that you, the corporate values that you grew up with, I can totally re reflect on that and I can relate to it as well. My dad, is a priest as well so mm -hmm. um, how was your relationship with your parents and how it has transpired or how did it um, change over the years as to what you think a parent relationship with a child um, and how you have changed that you know generational uh, gap between what you experienced as a child to what you wanted your child to experience that's a great question um, I, I was fortunate in that my my father was very loving um, okay. And so, you know, hugs and kisses and all of that wow. uh, were not uh, out of the norm, which is great for a male figure in your life to have that. Mm -hmm. So I certainly can see that myself. Uh, you know, he'd always get down on the ground and wrestle with you and, you know, just very hands-on interactive. Um, whereas my mom was much more buttoned up and, you know, very career-driven. Good balance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good balance, which, you know, I can see both of those directly in my life. Um, but with them being gone a lot, um, you know, I don't want to paint the impression that I was an orphan child. Uh, they, were around, they were around, you know, they'd show up to my sporting events and, you know, there were periods of time where, uh, you know, we had that family dynamic. But, you know, eating dinners together wasn't a priority, um, you know, and, and so everybody was a lot of times doing their own thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, as a dad and, and as a partner to my wife, uh, you know, we have decided that, you know, we do dinner every night together, right? Mm. And um, which, you know, the benefits of that are, you know, well documented. But, you know, it's it's kind of been a commitment of us to, you know, really put the children as the priority. Yeah, uh, that means that, uh, you know, I can't always chase the golden ring. You know, um, it's one of those where, as you're looking at your career, you have to make choices. I can't travel a lot because I don't want to miss their sports. I don't want to miss, yeah. you know, the events. And so it's really shaped. So that aspect of, you know, seeing my parents gone certainly showed me what I didn't want, right? Which was to have that absentee type of parenting. Um, but, you know, there's benefits to both, right? I also want my children to be independent like me. And my wife's very independent as well. And so it's been a struggle, especially in today's times of how do you balance that, right? Mm. How do you let them, you know, go out and explore the world? Because, you know, when we were growing up, you didn't really have any uh, shackles on you, right? You were able to go yeah. out and the parents half the time didn't even know what you were. You know, I, I always laugh. There's that meme of, you know, when we were growing up, they'd have, <laughs> have the commercials of it's 10, 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? You know, and it's like. <laughs> Can you imagine that on TV today? World was world was simpler those days, I think. Yeah. Um, now, now with all the you know nuances, the, it simply have changed. I mean, I, I was jokingly said the other day, like my kid watches um, Disney Kids, right? Mm -hmm. So you would imagine Disney Kids shows are quite child friendly. But right. the other day, he was watching a show. It was about 
a girl who lives in with a ghost in a in a small house and she paid all her money to mom's operation and surgery and then she's losing the house to mortgage and she hasn't told that to her friends and this she's just dancing around singing my life is great i am normal and things like that i was like i was terrified because i was listening to it on the back of my head like when i was cooking or something and then he was listening to this show and i asked my husband I, we are exchanging looks is this a kids show i mean like it's cartoon it's cartoon and yeah. i couldn't and then there was another cartoon where the guy talks about having a chest hair and i was like what 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 is happening <laughs> well you you bring up an interesting topic because you know i have seven kids my oldest is 20 and my youngest is seven right and oh, wow. so it's a pretty <laughs> wide range and you know when we were growing up they didn't we didn't have access to technology the way they do and and especially to the broader world uh and so you know when you look at how do you want to manage the kids a lot of people will put spyware on their kids electronic devices and really try to clamp down and my wife and i we talked about that and we decided to go a different direction um uh, we mm-hmm. kind of take the approach of look you're going to hear and see things that are inappropriate you know uh on your school bus i'm sure the language is quite colorful these days right so <laughs> um and, and so and and then even issues that are um very nuanced you're going to be presented with well before you're able to understand them and know what to do or say and all that we expect the children is to you know live within our value system it's mm-hmm. okay to hear it but that doesn't mean you repeat it it's okay to see it it doesn't mean that that's appropriate and you need to know when to you know really govern yourself right like i don't have to be sitting over your shoulder there there's seven of them i can't be everywhere right yeah. so if you see something that you know if i was standing there would be inappropriate then learn to govern yourself right and so we've tried to manage that way and it's been interesting right um you know there's always positives and minuses to that but overall what i've noticed is by taking away the mysterious you know aspect of it and really just confronting it head on um it's allowed them to kind of explore mm. it but then kind of step back and be like okay yeah i i understand that i probably shouldn't be watching that i probably shouldn't be saying that and mm. i think it's developing a little more self control versus being controlled because wow. you know when i was when i was going into college my parents were really strict right and once i had that freedom i went crazy right mm. like like oh my gosh all this freedom i'm going to just you know really enjoy myself and i look back and i go well if i was probably given a little more freedom and a little more uh, opportunity to live like that while i was at home i might have already gotten that out of my system by the time i was out you know doing my own thing and so you know that's something that especially now that some of the children are teenagers and entering their 20s um i'm seeing you know really benefit there Well, wow, I really love the self-regulatory aspect of it and the way you approached it. This is a aha moment for me mm-hmm. as opera would put it. Um I think it's a good way to tell the kids to regulate themselves while they are surrounded by different things in their environment. I can totally relate to this like every time nobody's home, I will go to the fridge and I'll have a snack. I'll either have a chocolate or ice cream because that's what I used to do back back home. <laughs> Uh, and i didn't even realize i'm doing this until the last time uh, my husband and child they went out few times and i was like why am i going to fridge all the time what's yeah. happening today <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect 
you yeah. know, there's a lot of that from our childhood we bring forward. You know, I, I talked about my dad being very loving and being mm. very uh, hands-on. He also had quite a temper. And, uh, wow, he did. Wow. You know, which was interesting. Uh, and it wasn't until I got older that I saw it. And mm. um, as I had children, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started having anger issues. Wow. And um, especially with uh, my, my son that, um, you know, he is now uh, 14. Um, and it was, it was something that I didn't even know I had. Um, mm. But the, the stress of having so many different personalities and so many different, uh, the chaos of, of my house um, I found myself losing my cool, right? And mm. look, I'd come back and I would confront it and, you know, talk to the children about, hey, I, dad lost his cool and that's not okay. But it was there and I never had to deal with that before. But I think back and of course, you know, that's the same way that, you know, I witnessed at times. And I think it was even amplified in me versus, because my dad was maybe every once in a while, uh, you know, I'd see it, but with me, it became a regular thing. Mm. And so there's a lot of that stuff we bring from our childhood. And even at times it gets amplified. Wow. That's definitely deep. I can relate to that as well because I get angry all the time. Like, mm. and I, then I think about what is that is behavior that is triggering in me. And right. I have to kind of rewind and take a pause there and think about how I would have wanted my parents to react with me if I had done the same thing. You know, obviously, a five-year-old is handful, but uh, what is that it is triggering in me? Like, is it the things that is spoiling? Is he spoiling the couch? Is that triggering me? Because I wasn't allowed to have good things as a kid. Um, right. in, yeah, so I wasn't allowed to use good things um, until there is a spe special moment or something like that. So there's always some uh, history going on in the back of the mind every time the child does something. So I can relate to that. And more interestingly, I have one child and I am so, so difficult to manage and you have six and you are a salesperson. I don't know how you manage. <laughs> Let us know. How do you, how do you stay sane? First of all. Well, I'll tell you, Shri, um, one is probably harder than two, uh, you know, but it, it, it doesn't get easier. It's easier when they have a um, you know, sibling that they can entertain each other, they, you know, especially if they're close in age. Uh, so we saw that right off the bat. Now, as they've gotten older, the older kids can help with the younger kids and it becomes mm. more of a family uh, self-contained unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, with that, I will tell you that um, we were quite surprised at how much more difficult the teenagers are than the younger kids were. Right. So when they were little, they were a lot easier, you know, up to about, you know, 10, 11, they were easier to manage because you know, they still listen to you. They still look up yeah. to you. But yeah. as they go through their teenage years, now they're starting to separate from you, right? Mm. And, you know, they're becoming their own individuals. Uh, they have their own voice. Um, they question everything you say, which, you know, obviously when we think back, we were the same way, right? But as a parent, you don't see it happening. It's, it, it just kind of comes across all of a sudden. And you're in this world where you have these other adults uh, or who think they're adults. And, uh, you know, you're interacting with them. But overall, um, you know, it, it's about routine. My wife uh, has always had us in a routine. The children always know what to expect mm. uh, because of that routine. And I do think it cuts down on some of the chaos. 
Um, we're not super strict, but we also don't take a lot of crap. So, you know, we'll yeah. use, um, you know, like taking away electronics and things like that. Uh, but, you know, overall, we try to, you know, create an environment where they're very busy. Um, mm. We're a heavy sports family. So, yeah. um, you know, every single child is in a sport, uh, which can be challenging on the schedules, but it does keep them busy and not just, you know, bored sitting around looking for trouble. Um, mm. so that, that's been very important. So schoolwork we emphasize and, and sports, and then they really don't have a lot of time for anything else other than just, you know, their own hobbies and stuff. Fantastic. I love all of that. Keeping yourself occupied. That's, uh, yeah. that's very, very important. I think you're also providing them a good example of keeping their bodies well by, you know, training in sports and things like that. Uh, shifting gears here. So uh, you told me that you went through a divorce and you had a son and now you have uh, six children with the second wife, love right. of your life. I'm very, very happy for you. And then you also talked about your parents not being there and you wanted to be uh, mm -hmm. there for your kids. You being a salesperson, I think that's been extremely challenging because I'm a salesperson too. So I just want to understand how these life experiences have shaped you um, into you becoming the person you who you are today and you said it's been changing over the period of time so i want to understand this how how are these experiences shaped you as a person well well first and foremost you know in in the theme of this show outrageously me um i am super flawed okay <laughs> i mean like no seriously I, i'm i'm defensive i am forgetful um you know i'll i'll had the best intentions, but just, you know, I'm probably the biggest procrastinator you'll ever meet. And so, um, you know, it all kind of starts with there. And, and look, one of the biggest, you know, mistakes of my life is there was a long period of time where my oldest son and I didn't even talk. Yeah. Right. And I, I've, I've shared all of that with yeah. the LinkedIn community and, and it has um, helped you know, me understand, you know, who am, who am I and what do I want to become? Mm -hmm. But one of the um, real key moments in my life, um, you know, my wife and I got together through infidelity, right? And so uh, another flaw, right? Like you can just add them up and, you know, I am no saint by any stretch. And I don't try to pretend to be because, you know, I think the more human we are, the more people relate with us. A lot of people yes. use social media to kind of put this storefront up. And, you know, I kind of took a different approach. And a lot of people were like, wow, man, you're sharing this stuff, you know, with the world. And it was like, well, if I share it, then nobody has anything over me because I've already owned it. I've already yeah. admitted that I'm flawed. So you can say I'm flawed and you're disagreeing with me, right? But um, I had this opportunity while I was um, a young professional. I was a leader. I was a VP at my company. And my wife happened to work there. Uh, my current wife happened to work there at the time. Mm. And she observed me for quite some time. And as her and I got together, um, you know, she started to give me feedback. And she doesn't mince words, uh, you know, which is what I love about her. Uh, and she was like, look, I don't know how you think about yourself, but let me tell you how other people perceive you. Mm. And it was um, very hard to hear because I wow. thought I was a great leader. I thought I was doing, you know, I was young, I was excited. And, you know, to hear all this stuff that is negative feedback, it really mm. made me stand back and say, okay, 
a lot of what I'm filtering in from my team and people around me is not reality, right? Mm. And so how do I adjust it so that a lot of the negative things that I didn't like hearing, I use those to turn into a, a positive, right? Wow. And so mm. I left leadership for a little while, went back to being an individual contributor, and it gave me a lot of time to reflect on that during that period. I had little kids and, you know, there was a lot going on, but I had this lingering need to get back into leadership because I loved it, you know, <laughs> and um, you are this, very good at it, I would say, <laughs> um, you know, the second time around, I looked at it completely differently because mm. I think in the past I was always trying to prove how good I am. Right. Mm. Look at me. Look at how, you know, I can make things successful. Look, I wanted that attention. And maybe it was mm. because I didn't have it or, you know, something I was seeking. I don't know. But mm. the second time around, as I got more and more into telecom, it was more like about the team. It was more about culture. And um, as I was an individual contributor, I was able to reflect back on uh, the teams that I worked with. Mm. And just to kind of put it in perspective, we used to go out and install phone systems for companies. And, you know, you go in on a Friday afternoon, you bring them yeah. down and you don't leave until they're back up. So that could be a day, that could be two days, it could be Monday morning, right? So um, you really became a family, right? Mm. And <clears throat> it was a belonging, right? I didn't know it at the time what it was called. I didn't really understand those concepts, but I understood the fact that we were, you know, caring for one another, mm. right? Uh, you had to trust because you had your job to do and they had their jobs to do. And you started to realize, hey, they're better at that than me, right? Mm. So they augment that part of me. And you start really looking at this. And so love that. as I came into leadership, I started to really look at that and, and do research on it. Because I'm like, I want to build high-performing teams. I mm. want to understand how to push people beyond their comfort zone and have them willingly do that. And so as I started studying it, you find out about things like the Navy SEALs, which you would think the biggest, baddest, toughest people make it through. No, not at all, right? It's actually the people that care for one another. It's the people mm. that, you know, see the team, have a, have a vision greater than themselves, and they're all pursuing it, right? Those are the types of people that they, you know, pursue and, and move forward. And so as I see, you know, examples like that and the things that I went through, it really drew me into this world of a belonging culture. Yeah. And Paul Hari uh, up here in Seattle, uh, he and I crossed paths because um, I saw his work and it was really in alignment with what I believed in as a leader. And mm -hmm. as I started, you know, interacting with him, I understood, okay, that's, you call it belonging, right? That's what this mm -hmm. means. And so um, from that, it has really... Uh, developed into something that is a cornerstone to tr how I try to lead. Uh, wow. so I don't know if that answers your question, but I thought that was relevant. Plenty. You gave plenty there. I mean, there are so many things to go back to. And the, the very fact that you're vulnerable and saying that I'm flawed and owning all of that flaws is uh, is really, really uh, majestic, I would say. And this is very contagious, uh, um, you know, inspiration for everybody around you. Like the way I own mine uh, also helped a lot of people who came to me with messages and connected with me. They connected with me because I'm very authentic in the way I appear. And that's what being outrageously me show is all about. Like you being yourself and knowing that there are parts of you that is not perfect, but 
the whole point is not perfection right the whole point is progress and the whole point is that you continue to learn and you in your own profile and in many of your posts you talk about lifelong learning and mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is and it's it's like our the version of us are keep on changing and you also mentioned that initially in the podcast that how you see yourself has changed over the period of time mm-hmm. and you owning all of that i think that's really really inspiring and i'm also looking at it differently now like you are on one side you're working for largest technology company you are with latest technologies technology is what you're selling you're a sales person and you're surrounded with this logics and technology and all those things on the other hand you talk about abundance you talk about mindfulness you talk about leadership qualities and these are like two different worlds as many would put it and i'm quite curious because i'm also uh, in between these two realm of you know working for a tech company where we talk about high tech technologies ai and everything and on on the same level i'm also talking about mental health and diversity and inclusion and things like that how do you see this these two worlds coming together in in your own way you know it's interesting <clears throat> i i think it's a sign of the times first and foremost um in the past you had to be a certain person at home and then you come into work and you put on that mask um I think uh in a positive way that has changed quite a bit and people mm-hmm. are encouraged to bring more of their personal life like my my dog here right like in the past you'd be like oh my gosh my dog's in the video right like <laughs> now people love it and and yeah, so of course we love um, it I I think a lot of that comes from you know really understanding that humans are not compartmentalized mm. right like shri is shri all the time right not just at home not just, not at, just work, at work right and and as a result of that the more that i allow you to be who you truly are mm-hmm. now you're inspired and you want to really excel at anything mm. whether that's your role uh, at home or that's your role at work and so a lot of that came through um my interest in psychology um i you know have a lot i'm i'm an engineering manager right so i'm in sales but you know my teams are all engineers and typically engineering is very um straightforward right very mm. uh, regimented very much logics and rules and yeah, things like that yeah logics and rules and i've always kind of considered myself the person that can bridge that world cuz i have deep understanding of technology i love it i i live and breathe it but i i don't talk that way right mm. i never felt the need to be the smartest guy in the room right i always there, there's people much more technical than me but there's very few of those people that can talk to non-technical people and make it relevant to them and mm. so i found this niche in between these two worlds of technical and non-technical that needed to be bridged and so that kind of shaped who i became on my corporate side now all of the other portions of that you see me talk about where it's you know purpose meaning you know higher purpose uh you know reflection all of that that's actually come through my own self discovery journey um mm. knowing all of my flaws and really i owe the, i owe it to the kids um because sure i'm sure you've experienced right you you lose your shit and all of a sudden you got these <laughs> eyes looking up at you like yeah uh-uh. I understand. You know, and you're like, okay, I'm better. Oh, than this. Right. I got better I gotta, than this. Yeah. I got to fix this and I got to fix this. So, you know, you go on this self-discovery journey and what I found was the more I was real and brought my 
you know, my flaws out for the world to see. It was like this release uh, yeah. of, of pressure. Yeah. Now, all I always, I call them dragons, right? You have all these dragons inside of you. And when you bring the dragons out into the light, they shrink. And all of a sudden yeah. you're like, oh, I, I, I built this up way bigger inside my mind than it really was when I brought it out. And this could be anything in our lives, right? Any fear that we have, anything that we've been shying away from. And then mm. I found that the more I spoke about it, it attracted these people to me that yeah. wanted nothing but to help, wanted nothing but to... What a beautiful tribe that is. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. And so, you know, it's just kind of built upon that. And then... You know, obviously, as you do more and more, you meet these people from around the world that give you new perspectives and, and really give you new things to think about and reflect on. So it's just been a wonderful journey that I recommend to anybody. It's just oh, I love been fantastic. That. It's, it's, it's really loving the way you speak about that makes me all in awe of you. Uh, and, and that's exactly what it is, right? That when you lift those dragons out and lift it out and feel that sense of um, relief it's like you're out of closet in 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 mm -hmm. my world we we call it right. coming out of closet because it's it's like very suffocating when you hold all these things inside but once the moment you release all of them you're free you're free to be yourself you're free to be uh, entirely yourself outrageously yourself and that's what it is all about right i love all of that and so let me ask you, you something real quick Shree, yeah go ahead go ahead tables um, are turning yeah go ahead yeah. One of the things that I think you can relate with is um, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, right? When you expose this stuff out to the world, you also are exposing yourself to be judged. And there will be plenty yes. of that out there, which I'm sure you probably experience way more than I do. <laughs> um, what do you have to say about that? Is it still worth it? When you, you know, you know, you come out of your shell and you're like, hey, this is me. Take me or leave me. I've already accepted me. So, you know, how do you balance that with some of the, the feedback that you get from the not so wonderful people? Wow, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking me that. And I'm, I'm thinking as I'm answering this, first of all, I was such a disappointment to my dad. He mm. was a pre. He is a priest, and uh, I don't have a relationship with my dad anymore. It's been uh, almost a decade since we spoke, and um, I hear from my mom as how he is doing and things like that. But I was such a disappointment, and he mm. told me several times I was this um, biggest sin that he has ever committed in his past life. Mm. Um, knowing that I'm a disappointment in whatever I am that I couldn't change or have any say about was such a difficult process uh, to go through. Like, here I am, either I can accept myself and disappoint those around me, or I can disappoint myself and just play this role of somebody who I'm not. And I took 42 pills to kill myself. Mm. And that journey has taught me one important thing, that I deserve to live. Mm -hmm. I deserve to live through this, and I deserve happiness. And I see around there are people who cheat, who kill and who do all those things. And if they deserve to live, I deserve to live as well. Right. And I deserve to live as who I am. And I started disappointing those around me. And I, that felt very, very happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I disappointed more people in my life than anybody, I would say. Because when you come out, you don't come out once, um, Tim. You come out almost every day. Like right. when I take my son to to the 
hairdresser and conversation goes on the hairdresser has something and i have to say yes my husband is doing this or people assume you have a wife people assume that if you have a child you are married to a girl and you produce the child biologically so there are there are so many different situations in which i have to come out every day every single day um i would do it again and again i'm so happy i did it with respect to hate i think the hate is too much sometimes almost unbearable um but that's what makes it more worth it right like mm-hmm. i remember the scene from harry potter where at the end of all this battle um then harry potter is almost shred to nothing and this voldemort the villain is almost about to kill harry potter and he is saying all these negative things about harry potter and harry potter says you know i'm sorry for you and then he goes what 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 is that you're sorry for and he says you know um, because you don't know what love is and you have nothing worth fighting for and that's how harry potter wins right so if the, i have something worth fighting for love and all i have is love um and people don't comprehend things and uh, we need more compassion than comprehension like if people can't understand what sexuality or gender fluidity means that you don't have to understand to be compassionate to somebody around you um just don't spread hatred yeah and well, i would rather be in the community of love than be in the community of hate <laughs> well there's no doubt and you know a lot of what you're talking about is why i was encouraging you to lean in on it right because I knew that you had um it within you to, you know, brave that and that there is probably so many other people out there that will look at you and say, well, if Shri can do it, I can too. Right? And I think the same thing, you know, stuff that I talk about as a dad and, you know, some of the things that, you know, with marriage, you know, cuz nothing's off the table, right? Because everybody's going through this stuff. And mm. so, you know, you sharing you know your perspective of what that journey's like there's so many out there that have a similar story that you're going to now be a beacon for them to say hey you know there is a path here right so that they're not taking those 42 pills right that they are instead you know picking up a pen or picking up a microphone and telling their story right that's yeah. that's the big difference i love that i love that i should have named this podcast as 42 pills or something yeah <laughs> Well, let's talk about that subject for a second because um, you know, it's something that um my wife has dealt with her whole life. Um, you know, it's something that um, you know, even in our own family, um, you know, I I I told the story about uh, you know, my son uh, yeah. coming to me on Father's Day uh with, you know, just saying, "Look, I'm having dark thoughts and, you know, and I think that the more we normalize that, then the more opportunity we have to address it because imagine if he didn't feel comfortable coming and talking about it right that maybe that was an off limits topic mm. um, you know what happens then right and then then it's too late and you know you, yeah. you don't get a second chance sometimes and so um you know i see that people give it a lot more attention these days but there's a lot of topics like that right like postpartum depression right my wife went through a severe bout of postpartum you never hear anything about it right mm. and, and so there's a lot of these depressions and you know uh mental health challenges that people go through that there's just it's just not talked about enough to where people are like oh this is pretty common right and so they think they're on an island or think they're isolated in their experience mm. so you know what are what are some things that you feel about that is, is there anything that you know as as a a group we could be doing even more of 
Yeah, I definitely think we have to start talking about mental health in a much more normalized way. And um, the way I do things differently is that I, when I have my uh, schedules with my therapist or something, I put it in my calendar and I tell people that I do have a therapy coming mm. up today. Um, I don't shy away from telling that. A, first of all, I want people to understand that taking help is normal. And, you know, if they start to see me in different light, it's on them. It's not mm -hmm. on me, but I'm right. going to be as transparent as possible. That's the only way to get through it all. And second, I started asking people, how are they feeling? Instead of asking how, how are they, like you, we ask, how are you, right? Like right. I started asking everybody, how are you feeling? Um, uh, that changes the whole dynamics of, you know, how you look on that specific day, whether you're wearing a makeup or not, right. um, or you, you, there is no answer that people can say, oh, uh, I'm good. How are you? That's the normal answer you can give for how are you? But when I ask you, how are you feeling? Now you're in spotlight of telling me what exactly that, that you feel. And I also advocate people to take uh, self-care and self-help. And this outrageously me is also one way. Um, and I think first three episodes in all three episodes uh, on some segments, I did talk about self-care and um, yeah. self-love because nobody should be going through that. And having gone through it myself, and that's not the first time I tried to kill myself. I tried to kill myself several times. Yeah. I slashed my wrist. Um, you know, I had so many dark thoughts and it's, it's important that we speak about it. And there's always a saying that, you know, like people who kill themselves, they are like, uh, they are running away from trouble and things like that. But I think it's one of the bravest uh, <laughs> action that you can take because, you know, it's, it's 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 really brave that you know you you're taking uh, at least some sort of control but i'm not saying in a good way but yeah, they have no, gone through that in a very negative way but but you could have done something braver you could have owned it all and come out to somebody and said that to somebody um there's no shame in admitting that you know that we have this dialogue going on right like if you failed yeah. in something you're bad like failing in life is bad that's why people take their life and i'm saying that you failed in nothing you're human uh, like if you think about killing yourself, that's not a failure. Don't look at it as a failure. Even if people, if somebody died who was in your family or something, they didn't fail. They did what the best they could, and they were they were they were brave enough to go until that point without help and you know go through that. They could have been braver, but they did what they could, right? So yeah. looking at that as not as a failure is is what is conditioning us to think about self help as a negative way. That's what I think. We have to normalize this. Well, and you know, I, I think each generation has new challenges, right? Uh, the current generation, um, you know, are able to see more than we could, right? The social yeah. media aspects and just, you know, everyone kind of one-upping each other online. And it's like, well, I'm not as pretty as that person or I don't have the same stuff they do. And, you know, there, there's just a million different ways that they can turn a negative eye towards themselves. Yeah. And as a society, I don't think it's happened so fast. You know, yeah. if we think back, it's only been 15 years, right? That <laughs> we've been, you know, kind of thrust into this environment. And now there's a generation of children that, have grown up in a, in a society where everything is on display. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. You can imagine. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Let me ask yeah, you this. What, what does self-love means to you? How do you take care of yourself and what do you do to do? Because you talked about owning all that flaws and yeah. how do you love yourself? How are you compassionate with yourself? 
I think it came mostly from accepting that I do actually, you know, th this is not what other people are saying, but actually what they're saying is true, right? Like I, I am defensive. I am forgetful. You know, I do have anger issues. So, so really it's easy to say those things out loud, but to believe them inside, mm. uh, that's the challenge, right? And so, uh, and that's why you see like believe, act, become, you know, that comes from, you know, the first step is kind of believing it inside, whether it's mm. a positive thing that you're dreaming about that, yeah, I want to become something or if I want to change something, right? I got to believe internally that, yes, this is true. And then the next step is action because belief alone isn't going to get you anywhere, right? Yeah. You have to act upon it. And, you know, to your point, taking action is brave. Right. Uh, sometimes yeah. you wish they would have taken different actions, but, you know, taking action is brave. And then as you're doing that action over and over again, you become, you know, that uh, that you want, whether that's changing yourself or, you know, you know, realizing your dreams. And so from that piece, that has helped me tremendously uh, in dealing with things, because, look, you know, I frustrate my wife every day, you know, <laughs> every day. like it's, it's without fail. And so, you know, how do I, what actions am I going to take? Because I can tell her all day long I'm going to change, but if I don't actually change, then I'm just talking. And so, uh, you know, I think having a partner that holds you, you know, uh, you know, to a higher standard and, and kind of holds that mirror up is helpful. I think that's certainly. I think your wife has a lot of a role to play in you being yourself, outrageously yourself. <laughs> we should, we should podcast, we should do a podcast episode with her, I think. Uh, <laughs> she really is. Um, I want to ask you, like, what are books or movies or what are, uh, you talked about somebody who inspired you. I remember Paul, I guess. Um, yeah, Paul uh, Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things that are inspired you to take this journey of self-discovery? Well, there's a couple of things, right? When I grew up, um, I read all fantasy books, right? Lord of the mm -hmm. Rings, C.S. Lewis, right? Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, all those types of books. And so I was heavily on the fiction side. As an adult, I don't have any desire anymore to read that. Um, you know, I'm very much into psychology books, uh, physics, and, you know, technology and, and, you know, self kind of evaluation psychology. And so, Which ones are you reading right now? Uh, well, are you have, reading any psychology books? Yes, uh, I usually have about three going on. Right now, um, I'm reading uh, Nietzsche, uh, The Religion of Man, or something like that. I forget the title of it. And then uh, I'm reading a physics book, which is talking about um, string theory, which has been interesting. Uh, Brian Greene is the author of that one. Wow. Uh, and then I always have... You know, one like uh, Adam Grant's uh, Think Again, uh, which is, you know, again, a really yes. fun read right now. So those are the three I have active because uh, I get it, it's tough. If you're tired, it's hard to read like psychology books. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I'll tend to kind of shift based upon my mental capability to handle it. But um, a, a book as a leader that had a tremendous impact that I was um, referred to was uh, The Fifth, The Fifth Discipline. By Peter mm. yeah. and um, he he is from MIT and talks a lot about creating learning organizations, right? And you know, when you look at what we do in technology, if you're not a learning organization, good luck, right? You always have to be a lifelong learner, and you know, technology changes by the minute. So 
that was a really impactful book for me and really gave me uh, a lot of insights on how to not only um, change myself, but how do you get people to follow that and, and also want to you know, share that vision? Mm. When you spoke to me previously, you said, Sri, where is your content coming from? Like, and then you told me that your content and my content comes from us. Like, it comes from within. Like, we don't mm-hmm. look for other people to write content. And right. that really uh, shifted a paradigm within me. Like, I want, I have a drive that I understand where it comes from, from years of uh, PTSD and things like that. Yeah. But where does your drive come from? Like, where, where, where is those content? Like, what drives you to write those contents? I think it's just curiosity. Um, you know, I never used to generate content, um, you know, and really I got involved in, you know, generating content on LinkedIn as a way to see, you know, how do I use this digital media to mm. approach customers differently? Mm. And nobody cared anything about anything about technology right. that I wrote about. They cared about my family. They cared about my relationship with Katie. And so, you know, it, the audience feedback kind of drove where I spoke about. I was like, well, if they're interested in this, what are they seeing that I'm maybe not seeing? And, and it helped me explore that side of myself, uh, mm. that vulnerability, right? Talking about an argument that Katie and I had and, you know, she'll be like, that was a good post actually i really liked one there's been so nobody talks about it i mean like uh, what kind of reaction do you usually get for posts like that i mean i know what i've seen in uh, linkedin but in your company professionally what what kind of reactions do you get it's very rare that a week goes by that a co-worker doesn't mention that um you know they enjoy the post and what's funny about it is they're typically not people that even like or comment on it Right. You don't even know they're reading it. And and what starts happening (laughs) as you generate content over a long period of time, you realize there's this whole group that you're not aware of that are reading and enjoying following and following you. And so, um, you know, it was interesting um, seeing the positive reaction of people relating and saying, yes, you know, I've, I've experienced that same thing. And, you know, I think the more we talk about it, the more it, uh, you know, normalizes it and it's, you know, quit putting on a show, right? Like people want to know who are you really? And the more I did that, the more it attracted people towards me. So it was interesting, you know, we, we try to be something we're not when we're young, right? Because we think that's what people are going to want. But as you get yeah. older, you realize that the more you're yourself, that's what people yeah. really want. Why fit in when you can stand out, yeah? That's it. <laughs> um, the last question I have for you for today is that what would you tell the people who are listening and seeing us right now to lean into more of themselves? Mm. I mean, it's it's kind of a broken record for me, um, and it comes from direct experience. Like um, when I was scared that I had permanently damaged my relationship with my son, mm. uh, my wife was always supportive in me, kind of you know reaching back out and fixing that, uh, and it was becoming vulnerable and just really giving in to my fear and just facing Mm. it. And like I said, as soon as I did that, everything changed, right? Um, You know, not only was it genuine, because if I'd have just gone to my son and been like, hey, sorry about that, you know, that wouldn't have worked, right? But when it came from a real, like, I screwed up, right? Like, this is me. This is, you know, this has nothing to do with you. This is me. 
um, you know, that kind of vulnerability is a strength that you can then take and just reuse in other areas of your life. And so that would be my message is, um, you know, especially for a lot of men are told to kind of keep those feelings down, um, instead lean into them because that's where their true strength is. And I think a lot of folks, uh, have discovered that uh, more recently than not. Wow. I really love that. Owning up your flaws, being vulnerable mm-hmm. and connecting the tech to the spiritual world and being, um, you know, being this translator for people to uh, guide them through and also making sure that the reflection that you see on your kids' eyes is a person you want to become. And, That's right. you know, posting authentically, creating the content with curiosity and uh, belonging, creating a sense of belonging. And um, I think all of that you said today goes back to your branding of believing, acting and becoming mm-hmm. and being outrageously yourself. And I really, really enjoyed talking about all of this. Um, I'm going to be putting all your contact information below. And guys, if you are here, please uh, say hi to Tim. Visit his profile. He's a fantastic person. He likes to give. He's a giver. In the world where everybody takes, Tim gives. And that's what he is. And every time I've spoken to him, he has given me a lot of value. Um, thank you so much for being here, Tim. Is there anything else you want to add to the end of this conversation? Just that uh, it's been wonderful watching you grow in before my eyes. And I just encourage you to keep charging ahead because you're doing that fantastic for a lot of people. Oh, thank you so much, Tim. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us here. Um, everybody, take care of yourself, outrageous. And I'll speak to you in another exciting podcast. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye.